Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success when you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. You will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. J.R. Spear. J.R. Spear. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of our Daily Creep Podcast Show. And today, I have Kelly. She is a 35-year fitness, nutrition, and wellness and lifestyle professional and entrepreneur. She has appeared as an expert on all the major networks, is a three-time best-selling author, and has spoken on stages internationally. She takes a spirit, mind-body approach to whole life well-being, and Kelly is also a certified divorce coach and the founder of Intentionally Fabulous Single Redefined. She is a single mom to two collegiate athletes, and one of her favorite pastimes is cycling. She is a lifelong learner, and her mission is to empower people to build confidence and overcome fear so they can live an impactful, meaningful, and joyful filled life. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us on our show. I'm really excited about hearing your story, what you're doing, and uh, what you can uh, teach us all. So thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So just like I uh, talked to everyone when they get on the show is like, I want to know your backstory. This is my first time hearing everything and same thing as our audience. So take us back to wherever you want to start that that led you to do what you're doing today and kind of take us back to a younger version of yourself start wherever you want in the journey, but then we'll kind of transition to what you're doing and then go into the more business side. So take it away. Absolutely. So I'm going to take you back to 13, born and raised in New York, first born Italian Catholic family. And I wrote in my diary, I will be an exercise therapist. And I actually wrote 20 things on this list. And to date, 18 of them have happened. So it was pretty awesome about the power of writing things down and having intention in your life. So knowing I wanted to be an exercise therapist sent me on this course to getting three college degrees, 27 certifications, and really being blessed to do some cool things in the fitness, nutrition, wellness realm. I owned and operated health clubs. I managed corporate fitness centers. I founded a school that prepared over 3,000 people to become certified wellness professionals and medical exercise specialists. I did get to speak all over the world. For example, for Richard Branson, he has a chain of health clubs called Virgin Active. And it was cool to go and train his trainers. I definitely have had so much fun writing books and speaking all over. And basically the message is divine health. It's about helping people be healthy. When I turned 30, I had my son and that's when I decided that I wanted to be an amazing mom and not just have all these businesses. So I came home, this was back in 2000 and I needed to figure it out. I was pregnant right away with my daughter. They're now almost 21 and 22. So I started writing, speaking, consulting, editing, spokesperson, media work, network marketing, fitness boot camps, like anything that would allow me as the internet was just getting started and the iPhone wasn't even invented to raise my kids, but contribute to my industry on a really high level. And in 2006, relocated to Dallas. And that was a lot of fun. It was, you know, a new start. And I continued being an entrepreneur and being a very involved mom. 
The next big turning point for me was when my husband of 24 years came home and he said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left. And that blindsided and broke me. That took me to my knees, emptied me out, maybe really stop and redefine everything in my life. I needed to know who I was and what I did wrong and stop the pain and make sure my kids were going to be successful. And then I never repeated that again. So I went on a three-year, what I lovingly referred to as a sabbatical. And that was my healing journey. And I did all the things. I went to the conferences, the retreats, divorce recovery, counseling, read the books, listened to the TED Talks, and really just pressed in and went on this soul journey to get well. One of my first goals after the divorce was to make sure that my kids were set up for success and then I got them off to college and I came home in August two years ago and I checked that box. I had two kids in schools they wanted, the majors they wanted, doing their athletic things. They had cars and cell phones and tuition was paid for and all of that. And I was like, okay, what do I do now? And I really felt led to help women specifically walk them through this grief of divorce So I got certified as a divorce coach through the American Association of Christian Counselors. So that has been a new spoke on the wheel of my life coaching to really help with the trauma of overcoming difficult relationships. And that's kind of where I'm at today and doing doing a lot of cool things right now, finishing a mental health certification, um, doing a lot of volunteer work. So it's, it's been fun and I feel like I'm only just beginning. Yeah, there's a, a couple of key things that I wrote down that I want to kind of hit on, and it might be kind of a curveball versus the direction that you thought we were going to go on. Because when you're when you're talking about the the divorce after 24 years, and then you're having your kids to help go move forward with it, and then you're talking about the women that you want to help with uh, for the you know going through their own trauma and stuff like that, and then the mental health. Because as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of things that we need to learn to go through that's going to drive us. And I always, part of the foundations I teach everyone, it's like the first part is your mission. And within your mission, it's your purpose. Uh, I'm a combat veteran myself. And I know I suffer a lot of PTSD and I know a lot of other people that do. And the one thing that is common to, or my belief now, I don't know the studies with it, but my personal belief that people that usually either commit suicide or don't make it with PTSD or any type of trauma usually come boils down to two things, lack of purpose and lack of identity. And so I wanted to kind of you to dive in a little bit, because I know you said one thing that's like, okay, you helped your kids get through school and stuff like that. But what was the big driving force for you that helped you say, hey, you know what? I'm down on my knees. My life is pretty much over 24 years of marriage. And what the hell am I going to do? And uh, But you had to have something that drove you. What was that big purpose to really say, you know what? I'm not going to come up with excuses but I'm going to do whatever it takes to do it. Cause I'm sure there was a period of time where you just thought that you couldn't do it. At least that's why I assume, but take us back there and then help us walk, walk us through like that, what was going through your head and what really helped you kind of get to that next, that momentum, that push to really start driving forward. Yeah. So we do things either to move towards pleasure or move away from pain. For the most part, I've always been a move towards pleasure person. I want to help people. I want to live a great life. I mean, I lived in a million dollar home, gated community golf course, drove the fancy cars, took the luxury vacations. I'm a move towards person. I'm a difference maker, action taker, all of that. In this situation, it was the failure. 
I felt like such a failure. This wasn't supposed to happen to me. I did all the right things. I was actually the provider in our marriage and I never thought he'd leave. I was a good wife. So it was the motivation was failure for the first time in my life. I was burning myself, holding my own feet to the fire, just in shock and disbelief and unforgiveness and bitterness. And it was a low, dark, depressive place. And someone in a counseling session showed me the grief cycle. And in all my years of studying personal development, I had never seen this, but it, I'm a knowledge person. So when I learned about it, it made sense. And the grief cycle is when something comes along, there's that shock, like you, you know, in war, in combat, there's that, those things that you you're shocked about and there's loss and hurt. And then there's numbness where you're just, you almost can't even function. Then there's denial. Like, wait, that, that didn't just happen. This isn't happening. Then there's all the emotional outbursts of it. And that can look different for different people. Anger is a part of it. I am not an angry person at all. I, I can't think of a moment in my life when I've been angry, but anger is necessary. Like you have to get mad. You have to rise up and, and hate really what God hates. <laughs> he hates you know, a lot of things, divorce, pornography, you know, abuse. And you have to like, let that rise up in you and hate that. Like, this was horrible. This was unjust. Then there's fear where you start thinking about your future and you're like, oh, oh my goodness. Like, what is this going to look like? And can I do this? And then you start searching to find answers. At some point you've got to go, okay, how, how can I do this? And then there's a bit of disorganization and chaos as everything is changing and you're trying to figure that out. For some people, there's panic. You know, I never had a panic attack in my life, but I was anxious and, and panicking. There's guilt because you're like, I, my family just blew up. I ruined my kids' lives. And again, the divorce situation, you can apply this to anything. It's all the same. Then there's loneliness you know, where you really isolate. And <laughs> some, there's purpose in all of this. It's good to spend some time alone, but not a lot. Because the enemy just loves that. He'll get in your head and say, you're not enough. You're too far gone. You failed. So some alone time is good, but not a lot. Um, then there's depression, which you're pressing things down. And when you're in depression, believe it or not, you're actually on the upswing of starting to move out of this deep grief. And eventually you'll start to re-enter and you'll start to look at your troubles and come up with solutions. And then there'll be new relationships and new strengths and new patterns and you know, new hope and you'll start to get affirmed like, okay, like I'm putting one step in front of the other and I'm starting to see some progress and momentum. And then eventually you adjust and the highest level is helping others. Like what you do and, and what I'm doing where you're like, okay, I came out on the other side. It'll never be perfect ever, but I'm ahead of some people and I know enough, I've learned enough and I'm you know, risen up enough that I can help the people behind me. That's, that's really cool. That's really powerful, especially kind of going through all those different stages. And I'm sure you hit every single one of them when you're going through this stuff. What was that? You do, And it's not like, Oh, okay, here we are getting that's, better. It's like I get triggered and then I fall back and then something happens. And then, you know, you see pictures of him on social media with another woman. And then, you know, you just like, you're in my case, my former husband was re-engaged within a few months of our divorce. Our divorce was 30 days. It was in Texas. It has to be 30 days. So it was quick. And he was remarried, you know, a few months after that. So it was like an assault. There was just a series of unreasonable, difficult things that happened in that year that was definitely challenging. It, it seems paralyzing. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine going through any of that stuff. 
what was that when, when you were going through all these different grief share or grief emotions and things like that, what was that pivotal moment that was like, you know what, I'm done and I'm doing this and I'm pushing forward and, and things like that. Do you remember that moment? I do. It was 4th of July and this was my second 4th of July now after he had left. And I was so angry and bitter and I remember sitting on the couch and I had invites and people were like, come to the lake, come to the boat, you know, do whatever, come see the fireworks. And I was like, I'm not moving. I am not leaving this house until the bitterness is gone. And someone had given me a book a year earlier <laughs> called Forgiving Forward. And for whatever reason, that day I picked it up and I sat on my couch for three days and I read this book. I'm like, I'm not getting up until this anger and bitterness is gone. And I had said, I forgive them. I forgive. like I had said the words, but then there'd be like some little, you know, wedge in there. And I'd be like, oh, and I knew that bitterness was still there. And what I came to find was forgiving him was actually a lot easier than forgiving myself. And so the self-forgiveness was a major turning point for me because I had just felt like such a failure. And so I had to see myself for me, the way God saw me. And it was a major palpable release where I could feel literally the grief and bitterness and unforgiveness lifted off of me. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little on the same lines as you when, you know, believing that God really works in us in many different ways. And uh, you say something that's really powerful where it's like almost self-sabotage in a way. Like we're almost the, the one thing that's keeping us from what we're doing and moving forward and success that we want to have. Cause we all have it. We all have the opportunity to create success and to be able to do something, but it's us in our own mindset and it's our own belief. And, and, you know, the unforgiveness, like what you talk about, that's keeping us from there. So that's, uh, that's, that's really powerful and just definitely a really good reminder. Take us to what you're doing now. Like when you went through that whole transition, you started to gain the, the forgiveness for yourself. What was the next step for you and what you did to start your, I mean, you're already an entrepreneur at this time, but to start to kind of make that lease and bounds and what, what, what came after that? So I looked back over the three-year journey that I had been on. I'm like, wow, I realize I'm a bit of an anomaly. Most people can't take off for three years and just figure out how to get well. And I wished that I had something that could have accelerated my progress. So I looked over the three years and went, what were really the things that moved the needle for me, that helped me to get well? Like that forgiveness was one piece of it. And I created a program that took the eight parts that really helped me to overcome and heal and become well and fabulous, even better than I was before. And so I sat down for four months and I created a program and it is called Intentionally Fabulous Single Redefined. You redefine your life now as a single. And I created the program and I launched it and I taught it. I hired a project manager and helped her, you know, she helped me do all the technology and keep it organized and, you know, made all the videos and did all the things to launch the online course, taught it live now it is available. And so I have a community inside Facebook that I pour into every day. And so I've been doing, you know, divorce coaching, life coaching, and of course, all of my years of fitness, nutrition, wellness, that all comes into it. But the eight things were, as you mentioned, identity, that was number one. Like you need to know who you are and whose you are. If you can't get that right, you're going to just struggle. Um, forgiveness was the second thing. I did put these in the order that I wished I learned them, but this is the order of 
what I believe is the importance. The next one is renewing your mind. Because if you're going to sit there and retell that same old story over and over and over of how unjust it was and how unfair it was and how abused you were, you know, you need to get out of that place of victim. The next one is purpose. You need to find your new purpose in this season or maybe renew the old one, but where you are in the present. Then it is self-love and gratitude because we're just pretty poor at that. Typically, we're not loving ourselves and caring for ourselves and seeing ourselves in the right light. Uh, And gratitude is a superpower. I mean, I could spend hours talking about gratitude. Then the next one is divine health, because that is the one thing that you actually can do something about when your life is in such chaos. You can make big strides, body, mind, and spirit in your health. Abundant wealth, because the number one fear that single women have is around finances. And the number one poverty group in the US is single moms. So we talk about abundant wealth. And then the eighth one is um, what I call joy, resurrection, and celebration, because it's not all hard and not all suffering. Like we can still have fun. We can still laugh. You know, we can still get excited about creating a vibrant future. I would love to, I mean, if, I mean, I know we don't have time right now, but I would love to eventually, like if I had the time to go through every single one of those items and you break them down, but if I had to choose one of them and kind of you expand on it and give some good tips on it, could you, could you kind of start going over the renewal of the mind and possibly forgiveness? Because I think that both of those kind of go hand in hand and with it. But if someone was like, hey, they got to renew their mind, they got to have, you know, be able to change the way they're thinking about stuff and the way they're doing it. I love to get your approach, especially for women or entrepreneurs that are going through this and they're like, man, I got trauma. I went through a divorce or I'm, I'm stuck or whatever it may be. I think that's a huge piece of it. And I'd love to get your take on how you help someone walk through that process. Yes. So we are energy. We're a hundred percent energy. Anything that's breathing, any person, we are energy. The number one need that we all have is to be unconditionally loved. And so we're trying to figure out how to do that. And we can do it in ways that are kind of glitchy and malfunctioning. So, you know, we could try and be the good girl or be the caretaker or get the best grades or be the rebel or so we're always trying to do something to be loved. And if you look at the scale of energy, the very lowest level of energy is victim. And that energy is actually a decaying energy. So you're moving towards death if you're staying in that place of victim. The highest level of energy is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, stuff. That's the goal. Yes. And so the tipping point between victim lowest and courage or and love highest is courage. So it is the ability to have that resilience to get back up and do it again. So with the renewing of your mind, we want to get people to a place where they stop telling the story over and over and over of how I was abused, of how I, you know, gave all of how, you know, whatever your story is. And catch yourself and stop telling the story. You need to do something different to get different results. So whether it's a cue that you have, um, accountability, affirmations. I have a whole healing guide that goes with the program. So the healing guide has affirmations, visualizations, meditations, activations, and celebrations. So there's got to be a combination of receiving because everything starts with your beliefs. Your beliefs then become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. 
Your words are what you start to act upon. When you act upon them habitually, they become your habits. That habit forms your character and the character forms your identity. So you got to go back to your beliefs and shine the light on it. Is it true? Is it good? Is it right? What I'm believing. And if it's not, I need to change that belief. So I need to renew my mind to what is true. And so if you're not in a healthy place or you need outside input, because sometimes sitting alone isn't going to give you the best answers. Um, you know, I always do what I call a heaven experience. And I just imagine myself in heaven, whatever that looks like for you. For someone, it might be the beach. For someone, it might be up in the clouds. It might be just some quiet place where you feel peace and have a conversation with what I call God and ask him good questions and he will answer. How do you see me? What plans do you have for me? Is this true? So going to the highest possible place to renew your mind and find truth and then start repeating that, you know, write it down, have it as your screensaver, put it on your mirror, start to change your thinking so you can catch yourself saying something like, oh, I'll never have enough or I'm too whatever, you know, not rich enough, not tall enough, thin enough, whatever, and renew that to something that is true and positive and helpful. And so you can record it and play it back to yourself and just lay there and let that wash over you. You can read it, you can say it, you can recite it, share it with a friend. There's an exercise I'll do with my clients. Um, I learned it from this guy, Kyle. And it's talking about your future as if it already happened. So every day, get it on the phone with a friend for 10 minutes. Each of you take five minutes and imagine that it's this day, one year from now. And tell me about your past year. So you're my best friend. We haven't seen each other in a year. And it's a year from now. We pick up the phone and, and pretend it's a year from now. I'm like, oh my goodness, JR, it's amazing. Uh, my son just graduated college. He got picked up by the MLB. It's so exciting. Like, I can't wait to go. And I've got this private plane. I'm going to go fly and see him. And, you know, I'm dating this amazing man. Is you know, whatever. And so you start to speak of it as if it is real and true. And then you build your life around that and you start working backwards. But when you get up and do that every day, instead of getting up and checking social media and comparing yourself to how everyone else's life is better than yours, if you want a different result, you have to do something different. So one of the things I also have my clients do is create a to don't list. Before you can start doing something new, what do you need to stop? Stop being in chaos, stop being a victim, stop telling everyone your problems, start, you know, stop, you know, if it's too much alcohol, running into the arms of another man, um, being stuck in the past, overspending, I mean, name your thing, <laughs> you know, what do you need to stop? These are kindergarten things that you know that, you know, drinking too much alcohol, day drinking, whatever, like, you know, that's not good, but are you willing to change it? So come up with your to don't list. What are you willing to stop? Even if it's not the biggest thing, but it's the thing you're willing to do, start with that. And once you stop the harmful, damaging things, now you can make room to go, you know what? I'm going to go walk after dinner for 20 minutes every night. Okay, good. Let's start there. And then that walk after dinner will escalate into something else because it's that compound you know, ripple effect of one thing. So stopping conforming, stop, you know, over committing, stop <laughs> gossiping. You know, when you can stop the negative, now you created space to start doing something better. So all of those are, I mean, those are some of the exercises that I do with my clients to help them start to renew their mind. 
Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, golden nuggets inside of there. And something that keeps coming back to my mind is like the victim mentality, because I see this a ton and like with a lot of people and I, I'm, I'm right on the same lines as, as you, when it comes to like the belief and changing your mind and changing your thoughts and the words and, and everything like that. And, and I start looking like the head, heart and hand from a Christian standpoint. It's like, we first got to believe it. Then we got to like, know it. Then you got to believe it in your heart. And then before you can actually go do it. And from the victim mentality is I like going back to what I said before, we're ultimately sabotaging ourselves to get to where we want to go. But I also want to kind of, kind of hitting on what you're talking about from, you know, being able to change those different processes and things like that. How important do you believe it is the, to surround yourself around those right people that's going to help push you to go to the next level community coaches different things like that and then where do you find the the right people because the reason why i'm asking is because where i find people that are mostly that stay stuck in that victim mentality is because they're around other people that play the victim mentality so like is it and you're always going to be finding yourself in trouble i always say if i didn't go to the military I would probably be dead or in jail because of the people that I was hanging around. I was like stuck in that situation. Now, granted, the, the year before I went back in or went in the military, I rededicated my life and I was on a good path and things like that. But it was almost needed to get myself out of that surrounding that environment and surround myself around high level thinkers and different people that thought differently, that act differently and did things differently. And the people that stay stuck is because they can they make the choice to stay stuck in a situation or Maybe they're stuck and they can't find, figure out a way to get out of that situation or out of the environment that they're in. So uh, hit on that a little bit. And then I would love to know like your, your point of view of how important is the environment that you're in to get out of the victim mentality, but also how do you get out of that mentality and that environment and change the, the complete situation? That's a great question. Yeah. The, you want your friends to be a 10, I mean, really and they obviously every person is not a 10 in every area, but you need a friend who's a 10 in finances. You need a friend who's a 10 in their health. You need a friend who's a, a 10 in, in marriage and surround yourself with those people. Because if you're in a victim place, guarantee if you look around, your friends are sad, frustrated, angry, depressed, they're in fear, they're resentful, they're shameful, they're disconnected, their energy's low, they're in survival mode, they're hopeless. And you're just, that's pulling you down. What a weight everywhere you go, there's just toxicity and gossip. And that is not helping you. You need to be around people who are connected, who don't catastrophize, who accept you for who you are and, and where you are. And they're going to help to coach you and pull you up. Um, they're decision makers. They're very decisive. Um, they're learners. They're nurturers. They're um, you know, they just have a good perspective on life. They don't lose. They learn. They're brave. They're courageous. They get back up again. They know how to cope. They recover quickly. Um, they're expressive. They're, you know, they're willing to get up again and take a risk. They're not depressed people. They're very optimistic. They look for the good in every situation. That's who you want to surround yourself with. And so you can find those people by finding a new crowd. So does that mean um, go on a meetup group and find people. If you're interested in investing, go find a group of realtors or investors. If you are interested in health, go join a meetup group of people that are, you know, hiking or playing tennis and doing active things. If you're a single person, go join a singles group at the church, you know, instead of at the bar, maybe go to a healthy place and people will mentor you. People are very honored when you ask them to mentor you because it shows that, wow, they, you know, in your eyes have some position of authority that 
you would you know, want to learn from them. So if someone, if you ask someone, they will probably say yes and don't take advantage of their time, you know, buy their lunch or whatever that looks like, but go and get yourself around great people. Even if it's on YouTube, if it's Tony Robbins, I mean, yeah. listen to all JR's podcasts for sure. And don't allow anything else into your mind, cut out the garbage TV and you know, whatever, is coming in, you have to stop horror movies. Don't watch them. R-rated movies. Don't watch them. You know, drama, gossip, whatever. I don't allow it. And because I don't, it doesn't come to me. No one is bringing me gossip because they know I don't receive it. I don't give it. I don't receive it. So people aren't going to bring it to me. Um, so surround yourself with people who are helping and serving and ahead of you and doing what you want to do. Go out and find them. You need to, you know, life is takes work. It's hard. You can't just lay there and have things happen. You need to get up and go for it. And so I listen to four sermons a day easily. And then I'll listen to Ted talks and other things, but I'm always, always learning. Yeah. There's a lot of, so a couple of things that come in my mind with, with what you said, and I, I want to hit on two points. One it's it's the consumption of what, what you got going on. And, and it's, a, it's funny because like, a lot of stuff that goes on uh, in the world today. I hear people complain like, man, I hate Facebook or social media because I keep seeing all this toxic things going in there. And I'm like, gosh, I don't see any of that stuff. Even, even when, it comes to when it comes to politics, when it comes to like different, like uh, whatever that John Depp trial and stuff and, and things going on, I didn't know any of this was going on. Here's the funny thing is, I didn't even know COVID was even existence until like months into it. And I go to the, I go to the gas station and I come home, I go, why are people at the gas station wearing masks? And my wife is like, you don't know, you don't know what's going on and all this stuff. Almost like it was the, the world was going like shutting down, which <laughs> pretty much did. But I was completely clueless to us because I didn't, I don't allow that stuff to be consumed for myself. So I'm a huge believer in that, even from what you, you listen to, like I'm a, I'm a musician. My, well, I like to say I'm a musician, but I ultimately started learning how to play the guitar and I've done music for one main purpose and that's for worship. And I was like, when, before I went in the military, I was part of a group of people that we used to do something called IHOP, which is international house of prayer. And it's based out of Kansas city. And then they did a lot of, we, we had a team in St. Louis and I was really involved in that movement. And, but I always always did just the, the singing and the prayer and a bunch of things like that. And when I left for the military, I had no one. So I was like, Oh shoot, well, how am I going to do this? And uh, so I, I found another uh, Marine that had a guitar that let me buy it from, from really cheap. And that started a whole new journey with me. Well, I played all over the place. I, I, you know, was part of worship bands and, you know, was a worship director at a church for a long time. And then it's funny when I was in Iraq, I always joked that I had my rifle in my right arm, my guitar in my left hand, because I carried it everywhere I went in, in, in Iraq. So, but it was all for the act of worship and things. And the reason why I bring it up, because I like, even from this last Super Bowl, and you're probably going to laugh at me at this. I didn't know it like the, the halftime show. I couldn't even tell you those singers. I mean, I, I knew Snoop Dogg just because growing up as a little kid, but the other singers stuff and, and Eminem, but uh, whoever the female singer and someone else was, people were like, you have no clue who this person. I was like, I don't, because I don't allow that like secular type music coming into, because I know how powerful music is into my life and how that can influence me as a person. And so like any type of secular music or what's going on or what's up to date or things like that, I have no clue. I'm completely clueless to it. If it's worship music or if it's something of, of something that's encouraging or something of, of, of good faith, that's going to better me. That's what I'm going to consume. So like when you're talking about the things that you're consuming and things like that, 
I wouldn't know what's going on in the world or what's on the news or who's even in presidents or, or anything like that if it wasn't for my wife, because she's the one that, that tells me, I go, how do you even see this stuff? Because that's what shows up on her feed. But what shows up on your feed and what you're seeing on social media, it's usually due to what you're seeing elsewhere online or what you're clicking on and what you're consuming. People are like, I don't look at this stuff. I'm like, well, you are. I mean, if you're seeing stuff of you know, pornography or you're seeing other things and you're being triggered to stuff, different things is because you're looking at that stuff elsewhere. If you're seeing nothing but politics and people complaining about everything, it's because you're looking and engaging and consuming that type of content. So social media is going to feed you more of that stuff. So I, when it comes to social media, I focus heavily on producing, not consuming. And I try to tell all of my clients, I was like, hey, your job on social media is to produce and to serve is not there to consume all that junk and the trash out there. So make sure that you're doing that. So it's a big, big piece of it. The other thing that I wanted to point out, which is uh, goes the lines where you do is, you know, I'm a firm believer. I think you're going to agree, but the greatest teacher that ever walked this earth is Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about the leadership standpoint, we need to look at it from the example of what he did. Well, when he was tired, when he was wore down, when he needed help, the first thing he always did was what? Went up to the mountain, been with the father. So he went up there and talking about education. And you're listening to the sermons and doing other things you do. It's like you go up there. He went to be with the father to rejuvenate, to re, you know, learn and to grow him as a person. So there's a there's a process that I teach our clients called the daily pile, which is the four non-negotiable things that you need to do every day to build your business. And the third part in the daily pile is leadership. And there's three components to leadership that I always talk about. And the one is learning to lead yourself because you got to renew your mind, your heart, your soul before you can go out there and do it. The second piece after Jesus went up there to be with the father and really fixed himself was he went to be with his disciples. So he went to lead his team. So before you can even go out and lead your team and before you can go out there and help other people, you got to learn and fix yourself, which I love what you're saying that you're listening to four sermons a day or consuming the content to help better you as a professional, but also the way that you can speak and go out there and do that. So he went to be with the disciples. And after he was with the disciples, then he went out into the world, which what I say is your clients. So you got to learn to lead yourself your team, then your clients, just like Jesus went to lead himself, his team, which is disciples, and then went out in the world and told his message. But totally true with everything you're saying. And I couldn't agree more. We're like, everything you're talking about, stuff that I preach on on a regular basis. And uh, the, the consuming part is really powerful because people make fun of me and give me a hard time because I choose to listen to certain things or read certain things. Like I don't read or watch scientific stuff or anything that's not fake. I mean, if it doesn't, if it doesn't have a purpose to better me, I'm usually not either reading it or I'm not listening to it. Period. Like I, I don't know, like I couldn't tell you anything politics-wise. I couldn't tell you what's going on on the secular world or, or, and out there. I am completely clueless to it. And and a lot of times I get made fun of. I was like, you don't know about this. You don't know what's going on. And I'm like, I have no clue. I'm like in my own bubble of what I'm doing. I was like, you know what? I do that for a reason and uh, talk about protection. And I know it's completely off target with what we were saying. But when I was in Iraq, I always questioned myself because I was blown up by a suicide bomber on February 7th of 07. And it's a, it's a huge part of my story and what I, what I even teach on today. And, you know, during that moment, I was, uh, I always prayed Psalm 91 every time I got behind the Humvee, you know, a thousand may fall your side and 10,000 your right hand, but it shall not come near me. And the grand verse is much longer, but that's the premise of a big portion of it. And I really believe that I'm only here to be able to speak and share my message today because of what God did to protect me during that, that moment. And I consumed his word. I consumed who he was. I believed in his protection, which goes back to what you said. You, you first got to believe then, then before you can you know, know it, believe it, become an eternity of your character and your identity. And I believe because I read it, which I knew it, his scripture, I believed it to be true. 
And so when I stepped out there that he was going to protect me during the situation, which manifested the energy that you're talking about to become reality. How many times have I walked through different situations, even in, in combat where God protected me? And I had no clue what he was even protecting me from. I mean, there was, there was one moment I was, I was walking through a minefield and I didn't even know it. I was there with a bunch of Marines. We're going down this big hill. And then uh, an hour later, we went to the dam and there was a guy that came in there. They're carrying, carrying him on a stretcher and he's completely blown up to pieces because he walked through the minefield and got blown up. Same spot where we were at, but it didn't touch me. I was standing on a minefield or a tank mine for a long period of time at one of our checkpoints. And our EOD team ended up finding that tank mine and said that it was completely active and ready to go at any time, but it didn't go off when I was standing on top of it. I mean, literally my home view was right there and my feet were staying on top of this huge tank mine that's probably like five or six feet long and you know bigger than I could wrap my arms around it. And yet I was protected. We don't know how many times we are, God's watching our steps and protecting us through all, all these different things. And the, the reason why I bring this up, because I find everything that you're saying to be really true when it comes to the energy and having that victim mentality and believing and knowing and really grasping on and your environment and the people that you surround yourself with really can change the outcome of where you're going. And so, which, which brings it all to it. So I appreciate that, but you definitely brought up a lot of things in my, you know, thoughts in my head and just kind of stuff that, that validates what I believe in what I'm doing. So if someone was like coming to you for the very first time and they're like, man, I'm, I'm just really stuck and not sure what to do, not sure what the next steps are. They just, they're just completely clueless and they're just broken down. And almost to the point of where you were broken down with your ex-husband and, and to that point, what is the first advice that you always give your new clients? Um, that's a great question. I, you know, I'll probably ask about their faith. You know, what is their belief? Because that's always a, a good place to start and just get a handle for where they are. So I know kind of how I can help to lead and guide them. So we probably will have a conversation about faith because you can't separate the spirit, the mind, and the body. And so yeah. if the emotions are down, that's all connected to the spirit. And the spirit is perfect. <laughs> so we just got to get them to connect and line up with that that spirit realm, but really seeing who they are is an important exercise that they can stop the lies, the things that they're believing about themselves that just aren't true and get them to see, you know, the good in themselves and see themselves how God sees them is usually a, a good place to start and gives them hope yeah. in the identity phase. So they don't have hope and they're, they're completely lost and like, man, I'm just, I, I just, don't see anything like someone's coming to you and they're completely broken down and they don't have a faith. And to me, faith is everything. Like we, we gotta have some sort of belief or faith in, in something. And if it's not in God or Christ or something like that, but I'm sure you got people that come to you and they're like, man, they just don't have any of that. What do you do? Yeah. You definitely talk to them about if what you're doing is not working, would you consider surrendering that? Like you're tired. You're just, you know, exhausted in every way, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. Like if you're at the bottom, would you consider just surrendering it? What would it look like to just like give it all up and to, you know, repent, go a different way kind of thing. Breath work has been really powerful just to calm people's nervous system down if they're feeling, you know, just so anxious. So I'll do breath work with them. Um, visualization you know, visualizing a future where things can look different is usually pretty powerful. Um, getting them to stop fighting with themselves <laughs> because a lot of the times they'll go, you know, round and round with the same battles in their head. 
So, um, you know, just kind of dropping the oars in the boat and stop trying to just strive and strive and strive and strive and strive. Like you can't keep doing the same thing and getting a different result. That's the definition of insanity. So are you coachable? Are you willing? And asking some really good questions to get them to think differently. So a lot of times I'll start a coaching session out with the question, what would make today a great conversation? That if a year from now we looked back at this you will have said like, wow, that was a turning point or that was successful. And probably no one's ever asked them that question before. So it gets them to think like, okay, what would be great if at the end of this hour, um, I could say that something really powerful happened. So I asked really good open-ended questions like, would you be willing? What would that look like? And that, that's what a good coach does. It gets them to think differently because what they're doing honestly, is not working. Can you imagine what would happen if? And so I'm using their words and their examples. So I was coaching a young lady yesterday and she's day drinking, drinking through the night, just, you know, can't hold a job kind of thing. So, you know, asking her, would you be willing to do this? And then what could your life look like if, you know, you could go an afternoon without drinking and start at the night. And, you know, you can't go, what would happen if you totally stopped drinking? So I was like, wow, that would never happen. Can't do it. But what if you started an, an hour later? You know, is that something you could do? What would that look like? And so getting people to think differently is part of renewing the mind and really gives them hope. I love that you like taking the things you're passionate about and turning it into a ministry to make it a huge difference. Um, at least I'm seeing it as a ministry. I'm not sure if you, but I see it as a huge ministry to make a big difference. That's awesome. Um, so the, the big question I ask everyone that comes on our show is like, what is your creed? Meaning what is the one thing that you're most committed to that you're going to be resilient, even through the most difficult times that you show up every single day, giving your best and having the emotional and physical discipline to complete your mission. So Kelly, what is your creed? Well, when I was 17, I wrote the mission statement. I will provide individuals with the tools to make health, fitness, and wellness a permanent and enjoyable part of their lives. I wanted people to be well. I had a very strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, alcoholism, you know, all the things I was like, Ooh, I want nothing to do with that. So I was moving away from that story but I was also moving towards, I love being healthy. I love running, jumping, dancing, swimming, cheerleading, like having energy, having good posture, being strong. What do people not get about this? Like, I hate disease. I, again, I hate what God hates. God hates disease. I hate disease. I want people to be well. And 95% of disease is choice. So that was my commitment. But more recently, it has definitely been what you read in the beginning, which is to empower people to have the courage to get back up and be resilient and build an amazing life, you know, get into your plan, get into your purpose, move towards that. You know, you were given the example of the news. I haven't watched the news in 35 years. When I'm at the airport and I'm assaulted by the news, I, I am like really offended because I don't listen to it. But the people who watch it every day, it's just, you know, they're used to seeing blood and murder and I can understand why people are living their lives in fear if the news is all there. I mean, I sit there at the airport. I'm like, oh, my God, like, please turn that off. But if you it's like if you're a police officer in New York City, you get desensitized to it. It's just your life. And I have my family's from there. I have people who are in the family police officers. You do. You get desensitized. So you have to heighten your senses and tune into the things that you want to receive and boundary block, cut out the things 
that you don't. And then you can start to have the courage to get back up again, because that's the difference maker. Are you going to stay down there in that pain and sadness and grief? Or are you going to go, you know what? I accept this. Acceptance is huge. And if you look at the people who go through, you know, whether it's war or divorce or loss of a child or whatever it is, the house burns down, the people who accept it are the ones who get over it the fastest. So helping people to accept, okay, my husband cheated, my husband left me, you know, whatever the story is, this is where I am. What am I going to do with it? You don't have to look far to see people who have it way worse than we do. My goodness. I mean, I've got arms and legs. I've got technology. My lights are on. I've got a car in the driveway. So that helps me too sometimes to go, you have resources. You have the ability. Get up. You know, you, it's okay to stay down for a little bit, but not forever. You know, grieve it, feel it, go through it, be sad, be depressed. But that's for a moment. It's for a season. It's not meant to be, oh yeah, I've been divorced now for 10 years. I'm still watching my ex-husband's social media. And, you know, I keep dating the same guy with a different face over and over and over. It's the same abuse, the same. No, accept where you are now. <laughs> Look at what you need to do differently. Turn away from the old bad stuff that's not working and turn towards the steps that you need to take. And there's so much available out there for you to learn and to do and have accountability, get in a good group. Um, there's, you know, church groups, there's meetup group. There's so many things. There's really no excuses to stay down. I just want to encourage people to get up. If you can get up, you can get to the highest levels of life. That's awesome. Who is your ideal client that you like to work with? And what is the best way for someone to get in touch with you? You know, really women going through a separation, divorce, post-divorce, even years post-divorce who feel like they have not overcome their trauma from relationships. And so I have a group called Intentionally Fabulous on Facebook. It is private. It is free. We talk about the hard things. We laugh. We support each other. We encourage each other. And um, I pour a lot into that group to really help women to get real, to get honest, to get healed and move on. Uh, intentionallyfabulous.com is the website. If they want to go and get the program, they can start now. They have it for life. They can go through it any way they like. And um, they can email me. I will respond to every single email. It's kelly with an I at kellycalabrese.com. I would love to hear from your listeners. Happy to answer any questions. Very cool. And uh, before we jumped on here, you said that you had a giveaway for the audience. Do you want to talk about what I do? Yeah. So my latest best-selling book is called Success Habits of Super Achievers. And in there, it tells the story of 80 plus different people who were ordinary people, just like you and I, that had something unreasonably difficult happen to them. And they chose to get back up again. And not only did they get up, but they did something spectacular with it. So they took their hardship and they did something incredible with it. So if they go to kellycalabrese.com, um, they can get the free ebook, Success Habits of Super Achievers there. Um, and if they want the hard copy, I will personally sign one. They just need to email me and um, pay the shipping. I'll, I'll send you a book, just pay the shipping, and I will personally sign it if you email me. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on our show. You definitely gave a lot of really cool stuff and I'll post your links underneath this episode so that way they can just kind of click it and don't have to remember what they are. So we'll make sure we get that on there. And for all you listeners out there, hopefully you guys gained a ton of value and something that can inspire and help you guys grow. And if you are someone that would like to work with Kelly, 
Click on the links that we provided for you guys, connect with her and go out there and change your life. And until next time, simplify. Thank you for listening to the Daily Creed Podcast Show with J.R. Spear. If you want to get more leads and grow your business, head over to fitprofunnels.com to get your free gift today. That's fitprofunnels.com. And to connect with JR online, check him out on Facebook at jr.spear.3. Or feel free to join the Facebook group at FitProFunnels. And you can also find him on Instagram at jr.spear.